here. You're very welcome. Um, we'll start off by singing the words of him. time together and a wee word of prayer. Let's come to pray before our Heavenly Father. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the access we have into thy holy presence through that name that is above every other name, the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for this time of prayer. We thank you for this Bible study. We thank you, Lord, uh, even for the opportunity we have to come in freedom and to worship thee. We thank you most of all, Lord, for what you've done for those of us in the meeting tonight that are saved. We thank you for the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the joy that we can have in our hearts of sins forgiven. Now, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit will be poured out amongst us even tonight. We pray, Lord, that you'll own every aspect of this meeting even here tonight. We pray for our brother Greg to come to speak. We pray, Lord, you'll bless him. We thank you for him. We pray you'll bless his family. We pray, Lord, you'll even uh, give him fruit for his hire. Lord, you'll see many souls saved. We thank you for the work he's doing, even in the schools. And we just pray for that ministry. We pray, Lord, that boys and girls will hear the story of the gospel. Maybe some of them for the first time, and they'll come and come to faith in Christ, even through that work. We pray for our pastor tonight. We 
pray, Lord, as he's gone to Tandrake to speak at the Christians, Christian Academy, we just pray, Lord, you'll bless him, undertake for, for every uh, aspect of the work there, even amongst uh, the students. We pray, Lord, that they, they'll come even to know more of thee and be drawn ever closer to the Savior. We pray for the land of Israel tonight, and Lord, we just pray, Lord, as you have instructed us in Psalm 122, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray, Lord, you will enter into that situation, and Lord, even that that war will be uh, come to a, a conclusion, Lord, a good conclusion, and thy people, Lord, even in that land, will be protected. We pray for Ukraine tonight as well, and for our friends that have gathered amongst us here, we pray, Lord, you'll bless them, and even for the situation in their land, and undertake for that situation as well. We pray for the Atkinson family tonight, Lord, even in the passing of her sister Mary. We just pray, Lord, that you'll be with them. Pour in the oil of joy for morning and be with them even at this time of grief. And bless us tonight, Lord. Come amongst us. Stir our souls, Lord, even as we open up thy precious word. We pray, Lord, you'll back uh, that word home by the power of thy spirit. And, Lord, there'll be a message even to each one of us tonight that will lead us on to do greater things with thee. Bless us, abide with us, do us good. And we'll be careful to give thee all the praise, the honor, and the glory. For it's in thy name we ask it. Amen. We're going to sing further uh, hymn 105, Make Me a Captive, O Lord. So we'll stand to sing uh, hymn number 508. to give you all a warm welcome tonight to those that are gathered here in the congregation and also to those that are uh, tuning in on sermon audio 
on Facebook, on YouTube. We give everybody a welcome. Uh, it's nice to have you here. Of course, I'm here because our pastor is uh, at the Christian Workers Training Academy in Tandergee. And we're very pleased tonight to have uh, Mr. Greg Gibson, one of our own. And it's lovely to have Greg coming to speak here tonight. Uh, just some brief announcements. Friday uh, night, tomorrow night, Youth Fellowship, uh, the Youth Council Evening of Prayer will be in Balamina, and um, our young people will be gathering here at the church to leave at 7.40 to travel up to Balamina. So we can keep that in mind. We want a good turnout going up to that evening of prayer. Next Lord's Day, the early morning prayer meeting again at 8 a.m. I would encourage anybody that maybe doesn't normally attend this meeting to come. This is my favorite prayer meeting. I know this is a good prayer meeting too, but uh, this early time of prayer is, is a very special time. And If you don't regularly come, then it would be good for you maybe to start coming to that early time of prayer. Sunday school is at 10.30 as normal, and Bible class is at 10.45, and our brother Stephen Fletcher is speaking uh, on Sunday morning up to the Bible class. The worship service is a normal time of 12 noon and our own minister, the Reverend Park, will be there to preach the gospel service again at 7 p.m. and again our own minister will be there in the evening to preach the gospel. There's an announcement here for a special praise night for uh, the Philippines on Friday the 20th of October at uh, 7 p.m. And it's uh, in the McKinney Memorial Hall in Main Street, Tobermore. It's very difficult for me to see this up here, but you'll see it clearer up there. So there's a range of singers. You see all the, the people are going to take part in that, and the proceeds will go to our brother, Noel Stevenson, and the work out there in the Philippines. So you maybe can remember that uh, special night of praise. And so without further ado, I would like to hand over very thankful to hand over uh, the, the, the rest of this, the service to our brother Greg. Come back then after and uh, lead the rest of the meeting. Thank you. Well, it's lovely to see you. Um, can I thank my brother Jonathan for leading. Uh, you can maybe can hear it in my voice. Um, I've had a cough the last couple of weeks. I'm just recovering. Um, the other day just to try and see could I actually get the high notes and I'm, I'm glad I wasn't leading tonight because that second hymn there's some high notes and I would have broken out there and my singing isn't the best at the best of times and therefore I want to thank him for that. It's never easy to lead. He also could have preached in there if he had wanted as well but I'm sure he's happy to sit down and to have me to preach but with that said it's lovely to be here tonight as always. I always love coming to preach in a home congregation in Balamoney also very encouraging and and again, thank you just for all that you do for me and for Rebecca and for the boys as well. Will you turn your Bibles tonight, please, to the book of First Thessalonians? First Thessalonians and the opening chapter. First Thessalonians, chapter one, and we'll read the entire chapter together. It's only ten verses. Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 1. Let's hear the word of God tonight. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. 
For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols, to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. And we'll end the reading at the end of the chapter. And as always, you trust the Lord will bless the public reading of the scriptures to your hearts as we come to consider some verses from this passage. We're just going to briefly bow in a word of prayer. We'll ask the Lord just to help us, even to help me and to help all who would hear from him tonight. Let's pray. Eternal God and our loving Father in heaven, we just come and still ourselves now in thy most holy presence. We do come in our Saviour's name. We come upon his merits, upon his precious blood tonight. And we do ask and pray, Lord, that thou will just be one of our number. We thank thee, Lord, that thou hast said that thou wilt draw nigh unto thy people. And Lord, we do ask and pray, especially that you will come and you will be very present in this meeting. We thank thee already for your presence from the very beginning in the singing of thy hymns. And we pray as we've read the word that it'll be a word to your hearts we thank thee for the word of God tonight, that we have it, that we can read it in our mother tongue. And we even thank thee for those tonight who paid with their life to translate the scriptures into the English language. We pray and ask that you will just help us to study this book more and more. May we be so taken up and so consumed with the word of God every single day of our lives. May, Lord, we grow closer to thee. May we increase in our grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we pray especially for this meeting tonight, Lord, that you will even just give help to me to preach thy word faithfully with power and with passion, Lord. I cannot do it of my own strength. And therefore, Lord, I come tonight in weakness, come tonight in humility even, Lord, to ask for your help, to send the Spirit. And I word to say that I will send the Spirit to those who ask. And Lord, I pray you will fill me to overflowing that I will know thy help as I would even seek to say a word for thee. We pray for all who will be gathered also here tonight that you will even prepare their hearts for a word to their hearts and to our, my heart as well. We thank Lord even of the Reverend Park too as he's away. We pray for him Lord, as he is teaching there tonight that you'll undertake, you'll meet his need. Lord, you'll give him help as well. And for all the needs, Lord, of this church, we leave them with thee. Lord, we know that thou art a God who hears and answers prayer. And in all things, Lord, may we give thee all praise, honor, and glory. For it's in Jesus' name we'd ask those things and for your glory alone. Amen. An unexpected surprise for an unsuspecting subject, as the host of the Big Red Book went to reveal a story told through the reunion of family and friends. Now I suspect looking out tonight, if you're under the age of 25, then you'll have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about because you weren't even born. But if you're age 30 or over, like me and many of us here tonight, you might recognize what I've just referred to because really I've given you a brief synopsis of the well-known television program, This Is Your Life. Spanning close to 50 years, I think it was around 1,100 episodes, each episode would begin in the same way because the host there, he would do his best to disguise himself in order to jump out and catch his, uh, the individual on a worse before quoting those iconic words. I'll use my name tonight as an example. Tonight, Greg Gibson, this is your life. In the remaining time, the audience will be given a blow-by-blow account of that individual's life from their birth right up to that point in time. At the end of that show, they will be given this big red book and they'll be able to take it home and keep it. In short, you might say that this big red book, it really was a documented account of their life up to that point. It was something that could be read, that could be looked at by other individuals once that person had passed on into the next life. The Bible reminds us in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 7 that we have brought nothing into this world and we can carry nothing out of this world. But there is one thing that is certain that we all will leave behind and that is the legacy for the life that we've lived. A record really of the perceived good and the bad that we did whilst we were upon this earth. And you take all that I've said tonight with respect to this legacy, and I have a question to ask you and a question to ask me tonight, and it is this. As individual Christians, as a collective church body, how do we want to be remembered? 
somebody were to come in here tonight and were to present you with a book of your life, giving all the details up to this point, what would that book say about you and what would that book say about me? Would it describe you and me as somebody who was desirous to live as holy a life as possible? Would we be described as somebody compassionate who had a love toward all people? Would we be people who have a burden for the souls of men and women? Somebody with a great love for God, somebody with a zeal and a passion for the work of the Lord. Or somebody who took every opportunity that they had to tell the lost of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, that's exactly the type of people that Paul is referring to here in the book of 1 Thessalonians. You have it here in chapter 1. In fact, you have it in the entire epistle because really this book, it is a written document of the type of Christians that they were. And this chapter speaks of the testimony that was evident for all to see and it serves really as their legacy which has been read by millions of Christians in the almost 2,000 years that have passed since its writing. And tonight I simply want to focus upon one verse here in this chapter. It's verse 8. And I want to speak tonight upon the subject, the Christian's duty toward the lost because we have a duty toward the lost. And you read with me what it says in verse 8. It says, For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. And there are three main things, really, that I want to outline tonight to you with respect to our duty as Christians toward the lost. And so the first thing I want you to see with me here is what I'm calling the Declaration of the Gospel. It's the declaration of the gospel because look at how verse 8 begins. It says, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord. And when Paul uses those words there sounded out in verse 8, the declaration that he's making, it is very specific. And it is specific for the simple reason that this particular Greek word is found here alone, nowhere else in the entire New Testament, only once. And you will know, perhaps from past messages that I've preached here in this church, that I often like to go into the meaning of particular words. I don't do it to try and show my knowledge or to think that I know a lot, but I do it for the simple reason that I believe that it can give us really a fuller sense of that word's meaning that's sometimes lost in our English translation. Other languages perhaps are more expressive than the English language is what I mean. And it is the case here with these words sounded out in verse 8. Because you literally translate those words and they read like this. It is to sound out as a trumpet. Don't know if you ever played the trumpet. Maybe you've been at an event where a trumpet is played. And it's certainly an instrument that makes a very loud noise. You come to my house and you will know that because our little boys, they have little plastic trumpets. And they certainly make a lot of noise. Never mind the real thing. Somebody blows a trumpet, what happens? It immediately grabs the attention in the room, doesn't it? It focuses your attention on that individual. And for that reason, amongst others, it is often the instrument of choice for heralding the arrival of somebody important or for making that important announcement. You'll have heralders, you'll have people who will play that trumpet. And depending upon the skill of that player, that trumpet sound can be pleasant or unpleasant. I have obviously no experience whatsoever in playing the trumpet. I'm not very musical at all. But surely anybody can pick up a trumpet and blow into that trumpet. They can make a noise, can't they? But you know what? In order to get that correct pitch, to get the right notes, it surely requires good technique, good strength on the lips, the ability to properly control your breathing. And you take this analogy here and you follow it right through to what Paul is speaking about here in 1 Thessalonians, it's the word of God. And it's exactly the same. Because just as training and knowledge is needed to play the trumpet effectively, so it is for us as believers as we share the gospel. I'm not saying tonight that you need to go to Bible college in order to preach the gospel. Of course there is merits to formal training. But everybody needs to have at least a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. They need to have that close relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, the more that you personally know of the Lord, the closer you are to the Lord, then the more effective you are going to be at presenting the gospel to those who need to hear it, to those who are in their sin. 
nothing original with me, nothing groundbreaking. That's very obvious, isn't it? But that's exactly what Paul is telling us to do in verse 8. He says, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord. And you consider those words from you and they can be applied to us in two ways tonight. We can apply them firstly tonight in a collective sense. There's a collective responsibility. See this church, its minister, its oversight, anybody who comes into this pulpit or the pulpit in the main church and who preaches the gospel, they have a duty. They have a responsibility to be faithful to the word of God, a responsibility to preach the whole counsel of God. And, you know, I can make that statement here tonight in Balamoni having no fear whatsoever because that has been the case since the inception of this church over 70 years ago. Faithful preaching, faithful men who have declared the gospel truth. So there's a collective responsibility here, but there's also then a personal and there is an individual responsibility. You and I, we have the responsibility of sounding out the gospel. And you might ask me, well, where's that in the text here? Well, it's found in those Greek words, sounded out. I'm not here tonight, by the way, to try to make you the Greek scholars. I would be hypocrite to do that because I'm certainly not one myself. But I'm just trying to show you sometimes the, the value really in the original language because the Greek word here, it's ek eomai. And that's where we get our English word, echo. And whilst you might not know much Greek, you all know English. It's mostly your first language, isn't it? And we all have an understanding of what an echo is. You make a loud noise, something comes out of your mouth, and what happens? You create a sound wave. And that sound wave that comes out of your mouth, it hits the first solid object it comes into contact with, and then it reverberates all around the room long after that initial sound has been made. But how does all of that fit in then with respect to our duty with the gospel? We'll look at verse 5 because having received the word of God here, those of Thessalonica, they went on to communicate what they heard to others. When did this begin for those of Thessalonica? It began at that point in time when they had experienced the new birth. When they had been regenerated by the Holy Spirit and it continued until the day of their death. And whilst their voices have certainly grown silent because they have passed this, from this scene of time, their sound, it continues to reverberate through the written testimony here we have in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And that's exactly how it needs to be with all of us tonight as well. We can't claim to be the source of the gospel, we're not. But we can and we should be doing everything that we can in our power to be that soundboard through which the gospel is echoed to all around us. We're not to keep the gospel with us. Yes, it is to impact us, but then we're to bring it out and we're to echo it to those who would listen. We have that responsibility. But it's also a privilege it's a privilege to share the message of salvation. It's a privilege to tell people of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a command that is seen throughout the four Gospels. It was the command given to the early church in the book of Acts. And their commission, it is our commission. To bring the Gospel to the world. And how many Christians, they never feel the need. They never have the desire to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. I think Warren Wearsby, he's a Bible commentator, if you don't know, he sums up such people in a perfect way. Because listen to what he says. He says, the person who says that God will save those that he wants to save, and he doesn't need my help, understands neither election or evangelism. Because election involves responsibility. And you'll have met people like that. I've met people like that. I'm saved. Who cares about anybody else? God's going to say if he wants to save, he doesn't need my help. It's not the gospel. It's hyper-Calvinism. But what exactly does Wearsby mean here? Well, he simply means that all who are saved tonight have that responsibility to be witnesses to those who are not saved. Because just because you're one of God's elect, it does not excuse you from that task of evangelism. In fact, the doctrine of election, it is the greatest motivation. 
It is the greatest encouragement that a believer can have to evangelize. And why do I say that? Because you can preach and you can tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ knowing that God has elected a people to be saved. It doesn't depend upon you. It doesn't depend upon me. God's going to save a people. And as you present the gospel, you can do it with that assurance knowing that he will save who he's going to save. How are we to sound out the gospel? Well, there are things that we are not to do. We're not to do it by force. That's the first thing. And what I mean by that is we should never be overly aggressive or forceful in our evangelism because we're not going to win people that way. It's just going to rub them up the wrong way. And I heard a story, I know of somebody, and they were doing door-to-door outreach. And they were telling the person in the door about the Lord Jesus Christ. And the person said, no thanks. What do you think that person did? The person was going to close the door and he put his foot in the door and stopped them from closing his own door. That's certainly not going to win people for the Lord Jesus Christ, is it? That's being far too forceful with the message of the gospel. It shouldn't be done from a place of pride or arrogance. That's another thing. And again, we're back to this idea of a trumpet because men love to blow their own trumpets. Love to think they are something. And we find a prime example of that in Matthew chapter 6, if you would turn there with me. Matthew chapter 6, please. Matthew chapter 6 in the opening two verses we're going to read together. Matthew chapter 6 verse 1 says, Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them, otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. So we find Christ here speaking to his disciples and he's warning them about proper conduct. He says to them, don't be a hypocrite. Don't be like those Pharisees. They were hypocrites. Don't put on that religious facade where you would go and you would say, well, look how great I am and I'm so much better than you and the Lord has saved me because again, that is not going to be well received. Our evangelism, it also should not be done at the expense of compromising the truth and that is so important in the day that we live in because how many people are compromising upon the gospel will not preach on hell will not preach on sin because that is something that offends people the gospel is to be an offense we're to tell people of the reality of hell may we unashamedly hold to the whole counsel of god May we never be seen to be believers who add to God's word or who take away from the word of God. There's a couple of things that we're not to do when reaching out. It's not exhaustive, of course, but what are we to do? How are we to behave? Well, I think one of the most important things, and it's very simple, it's this, we are to do it with love. And you hear so many preachers today, and I've been guilty of this myself in the past, and they preach without any compassion. Christ was the greatest preacher to walk this earth. And while he certainly did not shy away from what needed to be said, he did it always with the utmost of compassion. Because you think about it. How can you look somebody in the face who's unsaved and tell them that they're going to hell and not have compassion for their souls? How can you do it? You can't. What about our conduct? It's something relatively simple, but again, it's so important. Look at verse 7 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, because look at how those Thessalonians were described here. It says, So that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. So they were examples to other believers. That is obvious from the text. But by the same token here, they were also unbeliever as well and what I'm about to say it's been said so often that it's a cliche it is but it doesn't take away from its truth because many people they will never read a bible they'll never come into a church door but they will read you they will take Christianity from how you present it from your testimony 
If you present Christianity in a bad way, that's, that's not a good thing, is it? If that's Christianity, I want nothing to do with it. That's the declaration of the gospel. But the second thing I want you to see then is what I'm calling the dispersion of the gospel. It's again found in verse 8. It says, For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad. And why does Paul here specifically mention the regions of Macedonia and Achaia? Well, he doesn't give any definitive reason here in this verse. But I think when you look at the date of and the time of when this epistle was written, we get some clues. So Paul wrote this epistle in roughly 52 AD. He wrote it from a prison cell in Corinth. Corinth, that major city, was in the region of Achaia. You go north of that region and you have then Macedonia. And the main city in Macedonia, it was Thessalonica. And as Timothy here surely would have visited Paul in his prison cell, he would have told Paul all about the effect that their faith was having upon these people in these regions. Paul, it's in Achaia. Paul is in Macedonia. It's amazing to see what's happening. But the most amazing thing in all of this is the fact that their faith wasn't limited to those regions. Because Paul goes on to say it was in every place. It had been spread abroad. That's the words we read. And those words to spread abroad, they emphasize that truth to us because it speaks about a going out. It's a going forth with the gospel. In other words, those Thessalonians, their faith, it was evident in other places. It was in every place. And some commentators, they will take that phrase as far as to say it was known throughout the entire known world at the time. I don't know if I would go that far. But I believe that Paul's main reason for making this statement, it is simply to highlight the far-reaching effect that their faith was having. And you might not be aware of this, but Thessalonica, it was a major city of trade. It had a seaport. It was situated along what was known as the Via Ignatia, which was the only road at the time between Europe and Asia Minor. And all of those facts, they're very important because they highlight the fact that Thessalonica would have been a city filled with people. People coming to buy, people coming to sell. And as they were there, they would have witnessed that faith. They would have seen firsthand the transformation in this people. And they would have taken what they saw and brought it back to their homes, brought it back to the next city, and told all they came into contact with. To use familiar language to us tonight, everybody was talking about what was happening. They were the talk of the town. They couldn't get their head around what was happening. A people and a city who we read in verse 9 were steeped in idolatry and false religion. They suddenly had turned away from those things and they now were putting their trust and their faith in the living God. And society today would call it utter madness. And that is exactly the kind of reaction that we would surely want to see here in Balamoni. That people will be talking about us in ways like that. That they would testify that this is a church that preaches the gospel. That this is a church and this is a people who have a love for the lost. And again I think we can say to a certain extent that is happening. We have the online media, we have sermon audio, we have Facebook, we have YouTube. And the gospel is going to places you never thought it would reach. Of course, it's not a replacement for worship for the public house of the Lord. And we have visitors who come from time to time. And they'll come in and they'll go out. But they're watching. And as we talk to them, as we welcome them, they're going to feed that back to those they run with. We want to have a testimony of people who are friendly, of people who are welcoming and again, I can personally testify to that. I remember it was actually Johnny McCauley. The first time I came to church, big smile. I thought this was a great church. Keep smiling. But even more so, may those people leave. And may that witness be, that's a church that is on fire for the Lord. And that is the people who have a passion and a love for the souls of men and women. And why should we desire that? Because God's word tells us.
You turn with me to Acts chapter 18. <coughs> Acts chapter 18 and verses 9 and 10. In those verses, Paul, he receives a vision from the Lord whilst in that city of Corinth. And read what he says in verse 9. He says, Be not afraid, but speak. And hold not thy peace, for I am with thee. And no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. And Balamoni doesn't have the official title as a city. But we can make the application. We can have the same mindset as Paul had for Corinth. That should stir us up to reach out to the community around us. And we are coming off the back of a gospel mission. And we're so thankful that people were spoken to at that mission. As Johnny said, there's great opportunities in the school's ministry. Youth Challenge in the summer, there was great to see so many young people in. In the summer on a Tuesday night. But why stop there? And I know a church can only ever work between within its means and its members. But we can pray to one who knows no limits. We can pray to a God whom nothing is impossible with him. I have one final thing I want you to see very quickly. And that is the desire for the gospel. Because look at how verse 8 ends. I think these are wonderful words. So that we need not to speak anything. In other words, there was no need for Paul or Timotheus or Silvanus to say anything about the people's transformation because their testimony went before them. It was evident in those places. And Paul is telling the people here, these people that are already aware of your faith. They, they know of the transformation that has taken place. They heard about your casting off of idols. They've heard about your turning to the Lord and they are aware of what you stand for. I'm not really one for quoting other men no reason why there's nothing wrong with it I just don't but I'm going to leave a quote with you that wonderful so simple but I read it this week and I think it just really sums up Christianity what we should be it's by D.L. Moody preacher in Chicago he said it is a great deal better to live a holy life than to talk about it we are told to let our light shine and if it does we don't need to tell anybody it does the light will be its own witness. Lighthouses don't ring bells and fire cannons to call attention to their shining. And here it is, very simple. They just shine. Just shine. Don't need to say anything else. It's so evident. They just shine. And why is that is certainly true, and that ought to be the desire for us all, it isn't to say that Paul simply put his feet up and he didn't bother. No, Paul confesses here, yes, most of the groundwork has been done but he still preached he still witnessed he still testified and he still told them about christ why because until the last person in this world is saved and the lord comes the need for preaching will remain you look again at how paul describes these people in verse 7 he says they were in samples to all the belief and that word example is a, literally means a visible mark it is an impression made by the striking of something with an instrument. And we know there's no perfect church on this earth. But I think it's very interesting that this is the only church that Paul ever refers to as being an example. They're what many people will refer to as being the model church. They're believers. They leave a pattern for what churches ought to be with respect to their spiritual growth and their ministry. And what was their example? Well, it's found in verse 3. It's their work of faith. It's their labor of love. It's their patience of hope in the Lord. And it is their continual joy in the midst of tribulation. Well, that said tonight, how amazing would it be for you and I as a church to leave behind a legacy that is even somewhat similar to this church. To know that long after we have gone, that the future generations that will populate this church and other churches within the denomination will already have that solid foundation upon which they can build and advance God's kingdom. And surely, in what I've said tonight, particularly that last little thought there, there's so much for us to think about, and there's so much for us to pray about. We live in a town that's full of church buildings. But a people, by and large, they have very little love for the Lord. 
And we see a society before our eyes that are so apathetic to the prospect of hell. You tell them they're going to go to hell because of their sin and they just, I don't care. How do you reach those people? Apathetic to the gospel. And there are people that we love in our families and they are rushing to hell as quick as their feet will allow them. But the saddest thing, and it's only my opinion, the saddest thing is it's the attitude of many Christians. And we hear these things preached on week after week. Hell is presented as a real place. And we see the reality of what's going on before our eyes. And I think for the majority of Christians, it's fair to say they don't care. I'm saved and that's all that matters. Who cares about anybody else? And I'm saying that from experience. I was speaking to a man recently. Saved man. Guess he's in his 80s or 90s. He said, I'm saved. I'm not going to pray for anybody else. That's their fault. That's on them. It's so wrong, isn't it? Somebody prayed for him. May that never be said of anybody here. But may we be remembered as a church and as individual believers who continually sound out the word of God, unashamedly. May our testimony be that we did the utmost with our time to reach the lost of this town and other towns surrounding with the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. May God write that word upon your heart. And may it really challenge you. It's been a good challenge to my heart. I think very often I think back just as I close. Just going into fourth year. And the greatest privilege to preach the gospel it really is. But you can get caught up in preaching to other people. And you can forget about your family. Forget about those ones who are not saved. As great as it is to evangelize and to tell everybody else about needing to get saved, the most important thing is that you tell your family that they need to be saved of that hell that is coming. And if that doesn't challenge you, nothing's going to challenge you to reach your loved ones. I'm just going to hand back to Johnny, please. I'd like to thank Greg for that very clear word tonight. Uh, certainly challenged my heart. And uh, there's power in the word. And as he brought it forth, certainly there's great instruction for us as Christians, even tonight. I would ask you to remember Greg uh, and Rebecca and we, Daniel and Gideon. Take them upon your hearts. Where it thrills my heart to see how. Greg's life has been changed, how the Lord has directed him. I remember the very early times he came here to the church and he wasn't saved. And it was such a thrill to see him going on with God and dedicating his life to the Lord's work. We're going to sing another hymn, hymn number 669, before we come to our time of prayer. Hark to the voice, uh, hark to the shepherd's voice I hear. And we'll stand again to sing.
me tonight to make a special uh, mention about Israel and just to implore even the congregation here to pray for the land of Israel. Um, Mr. Park and Mrs. Park were lately uh, in Israel and saw for their first hand even the land uh, that Jesus walked on and um, I suppose that's a special burden to him and also now whenever they've just left and um, we see the war and we see the devastation there. We need to remember God's people as well as the land of Israel in prayer. Also keep in mind uh, Ukraine and the war there and the devastation that even that war is still uh, wreaking havoc on, on lives and families. And remember people here um, pray much for the land of Ukraine. And also for the prayer requests that we see here, they're listed again, we just keep all these names, all these folk of different needs, They've, uh, they need a touch, most of them need a touch uh, even in their bodies, they have, they're sick and they're in uh, even a difficult time right now, so we just keep all these names before us as we come to prayer. And so now we will come to our time of prayer and those that are listening in, we thank you for joining with us. We thank you for being part of the congregation here. And we would ask you even to uh, remember in prayer even where you are tonight in your home or wherever you are listening in, even those things that we've mentioned and uh, even just other aspects of the work here within the congregation. <clears throat> 